On the last episode of Kava, we visited with Lydia Nimbashaho, who survived the horrific Rwandan genocide in 1994. After her parents were killed, she and her siblings went to live in an orphanage with other survivors. This episode of Kava was recorded during a video call, so there may be some audio that cuts out and sounds a little odd. We ask that you would please forgive that. Lydia had no idea how much she would later miss this community of people who shared her trauma. After living at the orphanage, she and her two siblings were moved from place to place until they one day found themselves on their own. When I was, uh, I see, 14, I think I was around 14. That's when, you know, in one of the family when I was, where we were living at my, um, uh, we were asked to go raise ourselves. So wow. I was 14 with my older sister who was maybe, uh, she's four years older than me. Like she was about to begin the university. Okay. My other sibling invited to the same place where we grew up in our house oh, wow. to take care of ourselves. Nobody has a job. Nobody has anything. We just hear they yeah. ask kids taking care of ourselves. Wow. So it's the oldest three. It's a long journey. Yeah. It's a long journey that will require like two hours or three hours. Yeah. Yeah. So were you able to go to school during this time? Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful that, you know, the government had in place uh, an organization uh, to support survivors. It's called uh, Farge. That time was in French. If a, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's to support survivors, uh, start these different stuff. So that's how I was able to be enrolled uh, in school. Uh, um, that would be elementary school and high school. So we're able to okay. access education for, few, oh. for free, like high school and the elementary school. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so you and your siblings are living in a home just by yourselves and how do you have money for food does the government provide for that or is that just family no oh my god to be honest it's like living by day by day you it's you know we had the older sister you know trying to survive visiting people that we know you know asking them for help if we have nothing you try to neighbors to see if you can eat anything it's like you're living there but every day it's like you surviving you don't know if you're gonna eat or not right. it i don't know I, I can't tell you how we survived but wow. and there were many kids there so yeah wow that but thank god maybe mostly, uh, we we were in board, boarding school Boarding school are like, you know, public school, but we have to leave to the school, to go live to the school. And 
during that time we're at school and we eat food from from school so there's no problem okay. but when you go home vacation you're staying home so you have to be on your own and uh you know my older sister will be struggling trying to see what we can eat yeah right. that's Right. But you're able to eat while you're at school. And so that's, that helps a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that helped a little bit. Wow. So, um, you, did you graduate from high school? Yeah, I, I, I did. Yeah, I did graduate from my school. Uh, my siblings as well. Yeah, we were grateful. Lydia lived her life as normally as she could, but her burden was heavy, and she carried it alone. Did you have any um, anyone that helped you, like with counseling or anything like that, to help you deal with your trauma? Not at all. Not at all, because not only that, you know, you have to understand the counseling field is something new in our country so before the genocide you know we have our ways of living socializing within the community surrounded with with our families you know somehow it was a peace even if we we, there were other issues going on around you know but we had people around us you know in our culture you know things like professional uh, counseling it wasn't really something that we understood. I remember when I visited the museum of uh, the Dallas Museum of uh, Holocaust and Human Rights. You know, visiting uh, the exhibition center where Rwanda is represented. Uh, I was introduced to the comic book about Rwanda, and the boy who was portrayed in that book, the art therapy he was doing art therapy with uh, one lady, one Belgium lady, who came right after the genocide to help kids heal trauma. And I saw myself doing it, but I, w- I didn't know what it was. Oh, I remember wow. doing that at the genocide with um, this woman that I remember being white. I don't understand the language, but there was somebody to explain to me what to do. He was in the room, and she would ask, uh, ask her, ask me to draw what I remember oh, happened, wow. anything that I remember. And I think now that I understand that it will be, I think that was uh, a form of therapy, but I didn't know what it was. Right, right. So I didn't get any counseling until I was 32 years old. Wow. 31. Wow. <laughs> so you, wow, that's carrying a lot of um, sadness in your heart. Some years later, Lydia experienced a new kind of death. You know, you don't even know how you survive those things. Right. You know, especially living in different foster houses, different adoptions. Right. Uh, it's like in the middle of everything, you lose who you are. You lose your identity. And mm-hmm. one of the painful things that I regret, I don't regret because it wasn't my fault, but something that makes me sad is, not having the opportunity to live with my siblings in the same house. Mm. So somehow, you know, it's so painful because you have your siblings, but because you never got an opportunity to be together after genocide. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you that last year I lost my sister due to major depression. Our older sister, the one who took care of us when we lost our parent. And we saw her struggling for a long time. And mm. you understand when somebody is the, is the oldest of the family, when you lose your 
parent, they automatically take the role of your parent. That, right. That's what she did mentally, physically, doing her best. And, you know, she's she was an amazing woman, a smart woman, a hardworking lady. But at the end of the day, the trauma, the burden she carried, you know, from the genocide, 10 years old, you know, yeah. having that, that burden on you, it, it's not easy. Right. And as we're saying about counseling, it's not something we had access to in our countries. When she started, you know, um, uh, having these behaviors due to the de depression, you know, different trauma that she went through, we didn't know what it was. Right. We didn't know how to define that. We didn't know how to help her. And you have to understand, even if we try to help her, she's the oldest. She's trying to protect us. Mm -hmm. All the time, she's like, I want you happy. As long as you're happy, wow. I'm happy. Don't think about myself. She's a very loving, generous person. Mm -hmm. She put everybody before her, before anything. Wow. Even when we grow up, we're like, we can take care of ourselves. She's like, no. When she's calling, are you okay? Are you you happy that's what i want to know but she's struggling also she had to cope with that you know she started using alcohol you know mm -hmm. she uh you know she, then the alcohol addiction came in yeah. we didn't know what it was we tried to fix her we tried to tell her what to do try to pray try to meet pastors mm -hmm. that's the only thing we know right. if, if she has a breakdown the only place we know to take her is police station we don't know what to do and imagine somebody struggling with you know a mental illness mm -hmm. sometimes right now that i understand i'm like to a police officer you feel like you are a criminal or something yeah. but because it's the only place we know that's that that's that's the only thing we can do you know and and there is another therapist that you know Someone, because she's a smart woman, she connected with one therapist, and that therapist was a survivor as well. But suddenly he passed away, and she was like, that guy was the only person who could understand me. Nobody else is going to help me. So right after every person that would connect to help, she would be like, you know, my therapist died. There's nobody else who's going to understand. It was long, you know. It was a long battle, and the time she started even getting that little help, I believe that it was too late to even fix the damage that was done in her. The damage was too huge. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, break me so much last year when we went to her funeral, we had to sit down, you know, saying goodbye. And, and I realized that all of us, over all our siblings, after 25 years, that was the first time that we were sitting together. Mm. After... <laughs> After 25 years. Wow. Imagine the only time you get to sit together right. in one room. Is wow. one of you can talk. One of you at least <laughs> say anything. <laughs> And you're here, you remember that the reason why you're sitting there is right. because of what you went through. That's the result, the impact of the genocide. While many people are like, oh, we have moved on as a country, we have moved on. For us, we're still there. We're still living those nightmares. Right. Our people are still, you know, dying from the impact. 
Right. And nobody can understand the damage. But I was like, at least, you know, even if she came off, we're having this moment mm. together. And the fact that we're not able to bear our parents, we're like, you know what? For us, this is the day we bear our parents. Because anyways, she right. she took the role of our parents right. for many years that we had our parents. So for us, we're bearing our parents. That's right. our, you know. Yeah, so the journey up genocide even until now living in canada i'm grateful that you know i can have access to different opportunities you know like counseling right. but sometimes you see that you know, for a long time i used to tell you oh i'm healed i'm good especially mm. being a woman of faith i'm a christian you know i'm gifted i'm gifted to be a hopeful person encouraging but again i had to slow down i'm like you know how do i define my healing there's no healing you know, even if there is restoration, you know, to be able to stand up and work again. But other people, my siblings, my other fellow survivors are still living these nightmares. Right. You know, it's like, you know, whenever you're having this opportunity, attending therapy, everything, you're like, how about others? What's going on? Because my sister's death had to wake up every single bro in me mm-hmm. and I was grateful to be part of a school that provided free therapy and mm-hmm. I was like at this point I was able to survive many things but I need help at this point and yeah. no matter what I'm gonna fight to get it but many people even if they want it they can't have it so mm-hmm. it's uh I'm grateful for so many things who I'm becoming and everything but there's a huge battle you know many people focus on the genocide itself but the impact of after the genocide is right it's really tough yeah my other siblings you know they are in rwanda okay um one is uh, uh you know god has been faithful to us no matter what and one is a young lady in rwanda she's a very successful entrepreneur and uh, my little, that's my little sister. There's also my younger brother, who's an engineer. Oh, wow. And uh, there is also my younger sibling. You know, he's uh, on the journey of building himself as well. He's a great artist, um, designing uh, things like that. And there's also my older brother who lives here in Canada. Yeah, he has a career in construction and also he's a great artist as a passion and uh, myself here you know i'm in canada i'm grateful i have three kids uh 12 years old to four years old two boys three boys one is 12 second is soon to be nine uh third is uh soon to be five and also my husband i'm uh, uh, just working uh right now um as an admin assistant the program manager within a company that the a pharmaceutical company that help patients with chronic disease and also I, I am attending school working on my master's to um uh to get a degree in counseling and um clinical counseling and- during my conversation with lydia i sat for a moment in silence i couldn't believe what she'd done with her pain it seemed that for every wound she had suffered Lydia fought that much harder to bring healing to others. I want to help Rwanda see beyond their circumstances with a difference. Mm. Yeah. I have started a non-profit organization called Beyond the Veil. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk about it. Why is that? And it's 
to help people um, uh, raising, sorry, something is this. <laughs> so yeah, beyond the Veld, that's a non-profit organization. We are on, at the early stage of our organization uh, to uh, raise awareness on mental health and its effect on Rwandans' um, mm-hmm. well-being. That's awesome. You are taking um, something that is so devastating to you and using um, your experience for others. And that is amazing that you're able to do that, that um, your heart is for other people. Um, And so it's called Beyond the Veil. And where can that be found? Do you have a website or a, a way that someone can reach out to you? Yes, uh, the website is still in construction. We okay. hope by the end of uh, October okay. we'll be able to publish it. But we have our social platform. The good news is that uh, we publishing them tonight officially. Okay. So that will be on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube channel as well. Okay. So we're starting by you know uh, engaging with the Rwandan community, yes. you know, hearing from them because. I truly believe that we're doing this for Rwandan's people. Yes. Their stories, everybody want to be heard, and we're there for. We're here for that. Yes, yes uh, yeah. That's awesome. So tonight, you'll uh, all on social media. You'll be live, and people can reach you. Is it called Beyond yes. the Veil on every platform? On Twitter, yeah, and on every platform. Yes, it's Beyond the Veil. Yes. Okay, it's exciting, and uh, I want to share a message of hope. I want, um, uh, you know, to be on the veil in my life as well. Something that I've saw in my life, something that God has planted in my life is hope. Right. No matter what I will go through, I will always feel like, you know, it's this moment, it's painful, it's dark, but there's hope. Mm. So that's the birth of beyond the veil. Beyond the veil, by definition, is the unknown state of death after life. Mm. So I... in our life after death and experiencing death it's not just dying the death the physical death it's you know every single um day people experience some tragic loss it right. might be uh divorce or different stuff and that feel like death and uh, i want to encourage everybody there's always hope Never lose hope, even if you don't have anybody. I lived at least more than 30 years without any professional counseling support. You have to look inside of yourself. Know that sometimes, you know, healing uh, a death experience, because death experience is like a journey you have to walk alone. Mm -hmm. Nobody else is going to come with you. But at the end of the day, once you are able to get there, for sure, you're going to have like amazing people support you. But at some point of your life, the decision you're going to have to walk alone. And that's what many people avoid to walk in. So I encourage everybody. But again, make sure that you try. You might not be able to access professional support, but I encourage you to have like people that you can trust around you. Mm-hmm. Like find a place. It's feel safe. Mm. Know yourself through that transition. There is hope, and there is so many. If I can survive, if I can go through all this, and I can say there won't be more challenges tomorrow. But what keep me here? My faith and hope is something very, very mm. important in everybody's life. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, you. And it shows mm-hmm. your um, your faith and hope show in your in your life, and uh, you have precious 
precious children that um, just displayed such um, kindness. Uh, so you, you're doing a good job as a mom, and uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how Beyond the Veil affects your country. That's awesome. After living through a kind of suffering that most of us will never know, Lydia has wisdom for everyone. I want to tell people that uh, uh, healing, healing is getting the ability to live after death. And the thing uh, beyond the veil, you know, I had to think about the life of a butterfly. So a butterfly is, for example, the monarchy butterfly, you know, coming out of a cocoon. So if, if you can see the life of a caterpillar, you know, that transition, there's a moment the caterpillar might dab that, you know, after dying, it's not going to turn out into a butterfly. That's life when we're struggling with anything. We don't know what's happening tomorrow. After losing my parent, I don't know what's happening. After losing my sister, I don't know what's happening. I'm not too sure if I'm gonna be able to laugh again, but I want to encourage everybody to have hope uh, in the unknown life after death because you know there is life after death and if people can find a safe place Mm -hmm. to allow themselves you know to go through that transition to heal uh to be restored i truly believe that they will get the ability to be able to fly again Mm -hmm. on their own when the inexplicable happens life is not over We may not have all the answers for why things happen to us, but Lydia's story tells us that no matter what happens, life carries on. It continues. We do live past death, and when we allow life to carry on, the death we've experienced allows us to help others to heal. Lydia requested that we play this song, which is a prayer for Rwanda. We join her in praying for healing. Yeah.
for listening to this episode of Kavah the Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and that you will subscribe, download, and share this on your social media pages and with your family and friends. If you find yourself in a desperate place, it is our desire that you would be able to borrow hope from those who've gone before you and shared their stories. They have exemplified the meaning of Kavah learning to wait during difficult times to find an eventual positive outcome. I can't express my gratitude for my head writer, Rebecca Gray, and audio engineer, Meredith Douglas. I would not be able to do this without you. For more information, please visit kavathepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.